Hey folks, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Valvoline, the original motor oil. That's right, Valvoline is America's very first motor oil brand. For 150 years, they've been innovating, creating, and reinventing motor oil. From the first high mileage to the first synthetic blend to the first racing oil, they've never stopped pursuing innovation to maximize engine life. Their latest innovation, extended protection full synthetic motor oil, provides 50% better wear protection than industry standards and is 10 times stronger against oil breakdown. Valvoline Extended Protection is specifically formulated with dual defense additive technology, which combines an innovative additive boosted with a fortified detergent system. You may not think that you're a severe driver, but short trips, towing, extreme temperatures, turbocharged engines, heavy loads, and spirited drives will all put extra pressure on your engine. Just listen to people like Chris Forsberg, Rob Dom, Freddie, Tavares Hernandez, Speed Academy, Gears and Gasoline, Dustin Williams, and TJ Hunt, all trusting Valvoline in their cars. Valvoline is the only motor oil that has a dedicated engine lab where they can run specialized engine tests and standardized engine tests right in their own facility. They're also the number one supplier of EV battery fluids globally, offering tailored products to help extend vehicle range and efficiency. Find Valvoline now at your local auto parts store. Ask for extended protection full synthetic by name. We're also brought to you today by Talkspace. Listen, we talked about it uh, on one of the shows this week about mental health and what keeps people from seeking it out. There could be peer pressure. It could be the fear of talking to a stranger. It could be the thought of family or friends judging you. And it might be just not knowing where to go or where to start. And uh, meeting a therapist to work on your mental health is, health is just as helpful as hiring a personal trainer to work on your physical health. And the positive impact can be just as life-changing. I should know I have been seeing a therapist both in person and virtually for about 20 years. Talkspace makes it possible to speak with a licensed therapist right from your phone, tablet, or computer. And unlike traditional therapy, you can message your therapist anytime via text, video, or voice. It is 100% secure, stigma-free, the way that therapy should be. Uh, I I think therapy is, is really important because it allows me to put my thoughts and experiences into context with an expert who will not judge me, who doesn't bring their own uh, opinions to the table. They don't, they don't have, they don't also speak to the people that I'm talking about. Um, and it's, it's, it's not like talking to a stranger. It's like talking to an edic- educated person who can give you the whys and, and, and lead you the right way to figuring out your own issues. Um, it's great. And at Talkspace, your privacy and security are their number one priority. You can send messages 24-7 and get replies throughout the day. And their encryption and added security features keep your conversation fully protected. Whether you struggle with anxiety, depression, self-doubt, or anything else, Talkspace gives you access to the help you need to move forward. Getting professional help isn't weird. It isn't weak. It's smart. Because your friend or your family, they might know a thing or two about electricity, but would you let them rewire your house? No, you leave it to the professionals. So join Talkspace today and start moving forward with a single message. Just go to Talkspace.com. 
uh, that's just like it sounds, talkspace.com, and get $100 off your first month when you use promo code TIRE at sign up. 100 bucks off your first month with promo code TIRE at sign up. That's $100 off at talkspace.com with promo code TIRE. Uh, this Christmas season, holiday season, whether it's Hanukkah, Christmas, Festivus, whatever you might celebrate, uh, think about stance. Why? Because the, it's like a meme at this point, giving someone socks and underwear. It's the kind of thing that you're like, ah, it's, it's like it's so corny that it's a joke. But stance brings that joke back around to being an awesome gift, right? Like when people were talking about giving socks, I was like, uh, okay, well, yes, we'll do an ad for socks. Fine. I didn't think it could be that big of a deal. But then they sent me three pairs of socks and I was shocked. I'm actually wearing the stance socks right now. And it's not because I'm being paid to. I put the socks into my sock drawer in heavy rotation. I really like the gray and whites they got. I really like the good, the Star Wars ones they sent me. I've even rocked the Bob Marley socks. They're soft. They're durable. I've washed them like three or four times already, and they haven't lost their stretchiness. They haven't gotten too tight or too loose. I am a believer. Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic along some, alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Fun socks are cool. Everyone who's cool wears really fun socks. You look at celebrities, they wear like a tuxedo with like fun, crazy socks. That's like, that's a style thing now. So I really am into the stance socks they sent me. Uh, they're, they're very soft. They're very comfortable. They have good padding. The quality is extremely premium. And Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. And those who feel good, do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at Stance and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code TIRE at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Go to Stance.com and use code TIRE at checkout for 15% off. Lastly, of course, it's HelloFresh. I love HelloFresh because you get free pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Like, for instance, tonight, I would like to make dinner. I don't want to order dinner. I don't want to go to a restaurant. I want to cook dinner. But I don't want to stop at the grocery store on the way home. I don't want to think about what I have to make now. I don't want to, like spend the time finding a new recipe, trying something brand new right now at the end of a long work day. The holidays are hectic, work is hectic, but HelloFresh can keep things simple with recipes that cut back on meal prep, cut back on cleanup, so you can spend less time in the kitchen and more time with your friends and family. They've got 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, ingredients from the farm to your door within a week, so you get the convenience without skimping on the quality. Plus, you skip trips to the grocery store, avoid the long holiday lines. A HelloFresh meal takes around 30 minutes to make, start to finish, They've even got quick and easy meals with 20-minute recipes, low prep, easy cleanup options. Get the food on the table so you can get on with your life. 
They've got the seasons entertaining covered with options like their holiday cheese and charcuterie board and skinny dip char- dark chocolate peppermint almonds. They've even got desserts like ginger spice cake truffles uh, and cherry cheesecake swirl bars. You can save 65 bucks a month over the grocery store when you order HelloFresh now. More money to spend on gifts and activities. And I, as a home cook, really like HelloFresh because it makes my mind work on new uh, recipes. I don't have to rely on the same five or six things that I make over and over that I default on because my brain gets lazy because I'm thinking about work. So there's stuff like balsamic and fig, beef tenderloin, pecan crusted salmon, chicken sausage and sweet potato soup, things I wouldn't necessarily think of making on my own, but they give me the recipe, they give me the ingredients, and I am good to go. So go to HelloFresh.com slash SmokingTire14. That's HelloFresh.com slash SmokingTire14. And use code SmokingTire14. So you got to do it twice. You got to do HelloFresh.com slash SmokingTire14. And then use code SmokingTire14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Did it just start raining again? A lot of rain. It just did it just start raining like super heavily again. Perfect timing for the Lamborghini STO. <laughs> we had we had a down uh, a crazy downpour last week, and it was perfect timing for the AMG GT Black Series with race tires. And now uh, they just delivered this perfectly timed Lamborghini STO in a massive downpour today. Yeah, it's uh, what raining for like twenty hours. I mm-hmm. think today it's supposed mm-hmm. to. All right. I was supposed to go play golf today. I'm glad I canceled that plan. Yes, but my uh, you've been like the priest in a Caddyshack. I found out that uh, I can't because I bought the M3 from a dealer out of state. Right, I can't go to AAA. Like the secret in California with with your DMV is the, the AAA in California is not like AAA in other places. AAA in California can do some DMV services for you. Mm -hmm. Like if you buy a car, you can register it, you can renew some stuff, basic stuff. But I didn't know that you can't register a car that you bought from a dealer in AAA because the, the, you know, the plates stay with the car, right? AAA can't issue you new plates. They can only transfer the plates that are already on the car because I have no California plates right now. They can't do it. So they had said I had to go to the DMV, which is like something that you never want to hear because California has eliminated DMV appointments unless you're taking a road test. So everyone else has to either do some shit online, which is a very clunky system, or wait in line. But then I went to physical therapy, and my physical therapist, which is directly across from the Culver City DMV, was like, dude... Tomorrow it's going to rain. And the, when you wait in line at DMV, the line's outside. Yeah. So he goes, that's the best time to go because people see the rain, they know there's going to be a line, and they just go, fuck it. And so I was like, that's fucking genius. So this morning, I went to the DMV. They opened at 8. I went at 8.15, and there were zero people in line. I walked straight to the front. How can I help you? And I was in and out of the DMV in about 18 minutes. Because... Normally, the lines are a block or two long. Yeah. No, the line goes two-thirds of the way around the building. It turns two corners. 
Now, today, nothing. Zero. In and out. Fantastic. Shazam. Yeah, that's usually why that's why we go to AAA, because AAA is usually in and out. Right. Yeah, AAA yeah. is like never more than like five or six people waiting in front of you. DMV is, especially in Culver City DMV, is a disaster. But like, I was ready. I had the you know, not only the jacket, I had the umbrella going. I was like, I was ready for battle in case there were some people there. But I walked right into the door. Perfect. It was brilliant. So you got plates. The strategy, well, the, the, yeah, they apparently they give you a temp paper one and then they mail them to you. They don't hand you the plate. Oh, they don't have the stack. When I when I registered the Crown Vic, they had like they just opened a drawer. Oh, they had a stack. Yeah, no, I got I got issue. a California temp tag and they're going to mail the plates. Are you doing custom plate? No. It's just cal- regular California. I don't need I I I've, I think I've outgrown my custom plate phase. I think if it's if it's something that strikes you and it, you know it's perfect or a good joke or yeah. something, then it's cool. Yeah. But if it's just like, you know, fast GT or something yeah, no. like that, it's nah. just like, yeah, we know what the car is. And I think uh, I don't want to linger on this topic, but I think I think Tesla people have really ruined custom plates for me. They, they kind of burned it. There's out a lot of che- yeah. They really like you know in the same way that like. Um, uh, people ruined the burble tune. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Turbocharged engine people ruined the burble tune for me. Jaguar was like, oh, this is something called burble tune. You might like it. It sounds like fireworks. It's, it sounds like fireworks. And then people ruined it later. I think the uh, I think the cheeky, like, F off Exxon, you know, whatever plates have uh they There were just so me. many of them. Yeah. It really, it just burned us all out. Yeah, all. and here in L.A., it's just like, you know. yeah. I don't. I think I'm over custom plates. Okay, every once in a while I'll see one that's like real good, mm-hmm. but it's it's like it's pretty rare. So there's a 996 Turbo here at Westside that has a license plate fried egg, that I think is kind of funny, you know. But yeah. It's you know there's that it's kind a, of stuff where it's 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 really clever. It's not just no gas and yeah. then plug in. And yeah, then yeah. We saw so many that were like, yeah, we know that. And then I saw people doing it with fast cars too. You know, whether it's Porsche or Ford GT or something like that, and you're like, eh, it's it's got to really make me laugh. It has to be great. Yeah, maybe like, I mean, I'm pretty proud that of the the one I did on the Mustang VIRS. Mm-hmm. That was See, good. that's good. That's a double entendre. Not only is it the independent rear suspension, but that car was also a tax deduction. So like that works. <laughs> that works two ways. Most people were like, oh, ha ha, independent rear suspension, and I was like, ha ha. IRS. No, no. This is much more on the nose than you think. This is a marketing vehicle. Yes. Work expense. Yes. Right. Tax deductible. Um, but I think I'm over. I, I, something comes to mind. Someone did send me uh, a fan, sent me uh, a Dynan license plate frame. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, fairly subtle. It's not, not too obnoxious. So I'll probably put that That's on. That's cool. But, you know. Otherwise, it's like heroin. Quality over quantity. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's no stick. We don't need plates. stickers. We don't need to like advertise our presence too much. Plus, like, I'm still debating on what to do about the front half of the car. Oh, front plate. Front plate. Yeah. Like, I'll probably go to Anthony and get the sticker. I think I looked at the mount thing that you use. Mm-hmm. I don't love it. I mean, it's it's fine, but I don't like love it. Uh, but I might try to get away with the sticker for a while. I measured it, and it's, like, about the same size as the area on the Focus RS, and that worked. Like, nobody gave me any shit about that at all. So, like, I might just go for that. Yeah, do that. Yeah. I mean, and, and the good thing about the stickers, you can always peel it off if you don't like yeah. it. Whatever it is, just make sure it's impermanent, obviously, and you don't right, have right. holes in the front. No, I'm not, no, we're not drilling holes. Forget that. Yeah. That's that's completely out the of the California question. The California front plate system that came on my car is, like, it's an extra... 
it's like this. Yeah. Just, you know, mounted on the front. It's like sticks two inches out past the bumper. It's heinous it's looking. Yeah. It's not as bad as the U.S. rear nipples on all the European supercars. Yeah. Uh, they're like the license plates surround nipples. They're horrible. But, like, it's pretty bad. And if you've got a car with no holes drilled in the bumper, you certainly – we're not starting that now. Definitely not. Definitely they can't – I think that technically the law in California is they have to mount that bracket on the front if you buy a brand new car. Whoa. Like, when I bought whatever it was, might have been the Mach-E, I was like, hey, leave leave that off. I'll, fuck, I'll deal with that. And they're like, no, we can't. We can't sell you a car legally without putting this bracket on. Like we had to provide evidence to the state that yeah, we put it on. The number of people that didn't put it on was probably all of them. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. So there was a dealership in Colorado that was notorious for riveting their badge onto the back of WRXs. Oh my god! Even riveting? When, yeah. Even, like they would drill <laughs> the hole, shove the thing in, and then mount it from the back. Oh my god! And there were stories on the forums of people saying. They had signed all the paperwork, and they were like, I will only buy this car if you do not put your emblem on the back. And they yeah. go, yeah, yeah, of course not. And the car would come around, and they will have, they would, they would mounted it in the time between when they signed the paperwork and when the car came around to pick That's up. That's insane. People were pissed. I know of some guys who used to get real shitty about dealership badging. Like, I, I, I'm happy that they most of them now just do a license plate frame that you can just kind of get rid of. Some will still do a sticker, you know, a... a, a with the foam tape, and you can just you know get it off real quick. But like, yeah, there there's dealers that would do them like a much more like perm. They paint it on the name of it or whatever, and it's like, bro, you're not you're not paying me to advertise your dealer. Right. Fuck out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially like, if they bent you over the coals in some yeah. way for the sale. You're like, now I got to advertise to you. Yeah. You know? And I and I had friends like who would get. I remember in high school, like I had a friend's parents that would get like real shitty about it. It was probably Larry's dad, honestly, because he would get real shitty about everything. But like, you know, he would he'd fucking lose his mind and start screaming at them that they're not paying him to advertise and and whatever. And he's yeah. got a point because that's why they're putting it there. Of course, of course it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like, I'm always amazed at how many like. People just leave them on, you know, out of laziness or whatever. Like, it's not like your night license plate requires a frame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I, I guess, was like super homies with the dealer principal or something, like, sure, maybe I'd leave it on. I think now that I say it, I, I think I've left the Galpin one on the Ford out of laziness. I think it's still. They there. also treated you pretty well, but like you know, they do. But either way, yeah. like, every, they're the largest Ford dealer in the world. Like I don't they think are they the need largest. help advertising. Yeah, no, they don't care. But yeah. and and I think I should probably take that one off. I should probably get a fucking smoking tire one or something or whatever. Get one made that's like not that. But I'm not. I, but it's not permanently on the car, and I don't. So I don't really care. You but riveting it. it on the back is fucked. Mm-hmm. If you're drilling a customer's car, so they're doing. That's extremely fucked. It had the two prongs that went through the trunk and then stuck, you know, whatever that's held crazy. it on the back. It was so, so That's crazy. Because people couldn't, they're like, it's not 3M tape. I can't yeah. take this off. There's holes in the, in the bumper, or holes in the trunk, rather. The yeah. other flip side of that is when you when you see, like, a super used car, like, you know, we were fucking around for the eBay show and cars from, like, the early 90s that have, like, crazy dealership badges on them, I find it kind of charming. Where the car has somehow made it like 30 years and that dealer badge is still there. Just weathered and faded. Yeah, like imagine imagine you were, it was like a Barrett Jackson, like Camaro from the 60s that still had, you know, the Baldwin Chevrolet on it. it that might somehow add value. Well, because then, then it has a bit of a story or right. something I think we just, once something gets old enough, we go, well, now it has a story. Even though 
the story of that car is exactly the same as you buying your thing at Galpin. Like you yeah. bought it at a dealership and the dealership was known for stuff. I mean, that's really <laughs> that's what it is. But they're like, no, 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 the Baldwin Chevrolet, well, they had a race team at some point. Yeah, and yeah. They had this in the 60s. Like all the big dealerships have that now. Penske, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind funny. of funny that way. It's just that nostalgia shit. Like someone posted a thing on Twitter yesterday that was a new Jeep Grand Wagoneer and someone had ordered, ordered uh, wood, like grain. wood grain vinyl on the side. And I was like, that looks terrible. It's that looks <laughs> terrible now and it'll look terrible in 20 years. And then, it, you know, half the people were like, no, it's amazing because nostalgia, because the nostalgia is of yeah, in, no matter what. And the other people were like, they agreed with me. I, I saw that photo and I agree with you. It looks terrible. It just doesn't, wood doesn't match the shapes of today's cars. Yeah. It just doesn't. It stopped working when the cars moved past the, you know, 70s uh, nouveau riche kind of look. You know, the Wagoneer, the original Wagoneer was square, you know, with the sort of cowboy front end on it. You know, it looked like a, like a, uh, I don't have the word. I don't have the words right now. But it, it had this sort of luxurious cowboy vibe about right. it. You know what I mean? Um, whereas the the shape of the new one, the the wood just doesn't work. You can't you can't have wood on like today's curves. I don't want to say you can't have it on curvy cars because like a Ford Woody from the forties was curvy, although the wood mm-hmm. was pretty flat. But that was also like. Almost the whole car. It was also a style. It was yeah, like yeah. They're Woody's. This is what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I just don't think it looks very good and doesn't do anything. I mean, that car, the new one, does not look great anyway. Although I hear the interior of the new Grand Wagon here is amazing. But the I interior too, design but to me is pretty meh. No, the ones I've seen on the roads, the wheels look really undersized. Yeah. They look like they the do, bad right? Chinese knockoffs. It's like know? a Suburban on 14s. Right. Yeah. yeah it looks weird. Um, so I want to talk about all the things we drove in the last week. Um, it's been pretty heavy. I mean, I drove the, I drove a, a two and a half million dollar Lamborghini race car. I, I almost forgot about that until I flipped backwards in my notes. I almost forgot that I drove that last week. Uh, we drove the AMG GTR. Uh, excuse me, not GTR. AMG GT Black Series. I always, I've wanted to say GTR Black Series over right. and over, but it's just AMG. Because that seemed like the evolution of the name. It does. It yeah. Went GT GTR, and then went back. Yeah, yeah, it's GT Black Series, and we drove the Lucid Air uh, Dream Performance. Uh, we went on the Coastal Range Rally. There's a lot going on. A lot going on. Um, Most importantly, please go watch our eBay show. Well, that's the first thing that I want to get to that before we get to anything right. else, which is uh, All Cars Go to Heaven 3 is now on our YouTube channel, uh, episode one. Um, I, I'm really proud of the work we've done on this series, and I know that um, there are some folks out there that want to binge it, and they're waiting for all four episodes to come up and so they can watch them all. Um, I think there's more that are just not finding it. I can't imagine that of our million YouTube subscribers that this this small of a percentage is interested in seeing it. I don't uh, like maybe our thumbnail wasn't great or whatever, but it's just not it's not getting for the amount of work that we put into it. And I know that doesn't that's not a it's not one to one and the, the level of quality that it is, both from like a shooting and editing and sound and, and the activities and fun and all that stuff, like, I think it's really good. Me like, too. It's and really good. The people that comment think it's really good. Yeah. Like, the comments are po- like 99% positive. Yeah. It's got the tons of thumbs up. So it's like, of the people that see it, 
They like they're really into it. But just not enough people are seeing not it. Not enough people are seeing it. So uh, we're playing with thumbnails and all that other kind of silly shit you have to do on YouTube to get more people to see it. But like, I really wish that like more people would see it because it's actually like really good. Yeah. Um, you know, we bought cars, we fucking modified them in fun, silly ways. We got racetracks, we've got dino shops, we've got rally stage. Uh, granted, most many of those things don't happen in episode one, but but uh, we do modify them in episode one. Yes. Um, you know, it's uh, it's like a really like well you know ex produced and executed you know thing, and so if you want to binge all four at once, like I get it. They're coming out. Uh, the first one was out the 13th, and then the 15th, 17th, and 20th. So we're not making people wait a super long time to to drag it out for no reason. Um, but uh, And the episodes are different lengths. The first one is like 15. The second one is like 30. The third one is 26 or 25. And then the fourth one is like 28, I think. So they're, they are all, you know, it's just they're as short as long as, as, long as they need to be. But, right. Um, I'd appreciate it if you guys would go watch it because it's good. Yeah, we're I, very proud of it. Like, top to bottom, I really, really like it. Yeah, and that's not always, you know, whenever we've done these things, videos are very complicated. It's always hard to make stuff. So you always go, "Wish we could have done this. Wish we could have done that." But this is there's like, not really anything that yeah. we I wish we could have done that we didn't do. I mean, there really isn't. Yeah, I mean, I agree. we pretty much did. We did almost everything that was in the original treatment, and the stuff we didn't do. Was because we thought we would end up in the hospital. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we deleted a few events that like, both of us would go to the hospital. For yeah. That. But but we did some really exciting stuff. So if you watch it and if you like it, please share it. Please send it to friends who you think that would be helpful. As well. that's, yeah. that's the thing. That would like, be helpful. Truly like, share. Yeah. Um, and episode two is out uh, for the live people. Episode two is out tomorrow. If you're not listening to this live, episode two is definitely all, already out, um, as well as uh, three and four coming very soon. It's only four episodes. It's not It's not like a super long thing. We could have made it into a really, really strong 70-minute special if we wanted to. But we didn't think that YouTube people would want to watch a 70-minute special. We thought they'd rather watch four 20-minute pieces that are that are dense and tight so um you know the cars are really good obviously i liked my car the e46 wagon i liked it enough to turn around when i got home and buy a fucking e46 um you saw the light i saw the light i really liked it uh is there something going on with our feed zach no, I paused it. Oh, oh no! It, I, I shouldn't have. Yep. I shouldn't have looked at the comments, the flowing comments. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's great fun. It's really well shot. It's really well edited. Um, it looks really really good. Uh, it's as I mean, it's literally probably the most like professional quality fucking thing that we've ever made ever. I agree. Um, it's in 4K, so you can watch it on your big your big screen TV. Uh, you don't need to watch it on the phone to enjoy it because our our previous two movies were like in 720 because they they're seven years ago. So it probably doesn't look great on a movie theater screen, but this will look great on a movie theater screen. So, um, And it's obviously inspired by Top Gear challenges that we saw, you know, 10 years ago. And unlike Top Gear, uh, there's there's really no script. It's just it's set up set up bits followed by natural moments of uh, of two competitive people who enjoy each other's company and 
both want to win the challenges. Yeah. <laughs> um, we both we both break our cars a little bit. Um, uh, I, I don't want to give away the end, but there is definitely some destruction. Uh, there's definitely some some hilarity uh, ensues, and so um, yeah, please go watch All Cars Go to Heaven three. Um, we worked really really hard on it, and we're not, you know, we're very proud of the work. And so uh, you know, car reviews are car reviews. We obviously do lots of those. They're they're formulaic and they're good consumer advice. But the reason we got into making videos, I think probably both of us, was to do to do stuff like this. So it was very nice of eBay Motors to fund it. Um, I promise there is not a bunch of extremely overt eBay stuff uh, thrown into the plot. I mean, obviously we bought cars on eBay Motors and we bought parts on eBay Motors, but besides that, it's not like we're, we've made a giant infomercial that we're trying to get you to watch. It's truly a, uh, a good time and, and fun, entertaining stuff that has the very, very minimum of, of corporate bullshit uh, on, on it. It's really got very little corporate bullshit at all. Um, so anyway, thank you to, uh, thank you to eBay for, for sponsoring it, and, and please go, go watch it. Um, the Lucid Air. Yes. We, we were going we to film last Thursday. We were going to film both the AMG GT Black Series and the Lucid Air on the same day, which would have been almost a 2,000-horsepower morning. It had been very close. But then it was pissing rain. Getting up to our to our normal meetup point where we were going to meet the Lucid guys, Zach and I drove the AMG, and it was a shit show on the road. There was one truck on its roof, right? Yeah. The truck had rolled. Upon, there was a tow truck there. And the, yeah, pickup there truck. Was, yeah. And what, what uh, who, who, I don't want to take away from it. Who said it? Was it the, was it Brownell? Was there one of the Radwood guys who called it the Palmdale 500? No. That's so I forgot accurate. who said that, but for when we go film, and you can actually see this in a bunch of our videos, whenever you see us driving north on Big Tahunga Canyon or on Angeles Forest Highway, the way we're traveling always seems to be empty, but the opposite direction has a ton of traffic. That is fully intentional. We're, we know that that happens, but that's why we drive the direction we drive. And that's people who commute from Palmdale to Los Angeles, and they avoid the highway by going over the canyon. And we regularly see people mobbing inappropriate vehicles, whether it's a box truck or a fucking Malibu on horrible tires or a Tacoma on 35s. We're regularly shocked at the pace that people carry in these standard non-sports cars over I mean, the that hill. That very morning, we because where we parked was a straightaway, but it's a double yellow straightaway, and yeah. we watched a Camry pass an SUV on the double yellow, and yeah. you know SUV's going forty-five downhill, and Camry's going probably going eighty to pass. Yeah, and, it, and it's raining, yeah. raining, raining. Yeah. So, and on the way up, we passed a truck that had rolled over, followed by a car that had like crashed into the wall and just been abandoned. And, and it had it had damage on both sides and the roof. <laughs> it must it have like ping ponged. Yeah. And then after that, it looked like someone had dropped a file cabinet out of a helicopter yes. and just yard sailed a file cabinet all over the road. Yeah. And then after that, I got uh, I was getting wheel spin in the Merc in fifth gear. And I was like, okay, we're we're not, we can't film this. If I if I can't get traction in fifth, this is no point. We're gonna die. 
We're going to destroy this car, and at best case scenario, we make a very boring video. Yeah. I was very happy to be on registering all, all seasons. Yes. Yeah, really Zach was. was in his own car, <laughs> and I was on uh, Cup 2Rs, yeah. which was which were super sketchy uh, in the in the wet. And I drove that car in the wet three different times, um, uh, and we could, we'll could we we'll get to the Black Series. But we, we parked that for the morning, and Zach and I had a go in the Lucid Air Dream Performance Edition, mm-hmm. which is the fastest, most expensive one they make. Uh, it's 170,000 bucks. It's 1,111 horsepower with 1,025 pound-feet of torque, uh, 118 kilowatt-hour battery, um, and good for 450 miles of range in this setup. Uh, 0 to 60 in 2.42, um, quarter mile in 9.67 at 149, and that is from a car that weighs 5,200 pounds. Nuts. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, Bugatti um, Chiron acceleration. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it, it is Chiron acceleration. I mean, and it's it's basically what a 765 LT or, or a Chiron uh, will run as well. And these are, and, and these are hypercars, you know. Uh, and this thing is, you know, it's like an S-Class, basically. Yes. Um, so it, I don't know, like, I, I knew, like, I didn't love how it photographed before I saw it in person. I like how it looks in person better than I like the photographs. In person, it has a very French-inspired design. If you took off the Lucid badges and put on Citroën badges, yes. Yeah, absolutely. If you said this is the revived Citroën DS, I'd go, yes. Yes, it is. It It looks like a Citroën. You know, which is I think is cool actually. I think the French are insane and their cars are like weird looking, but whenever I see them I'm like, ah, it's actually kind of awesome. I'm into it. They're usually um, very different, but most of the time they look really good. Yeah. Um and what the reason it looks so weird is packaging, right? And it's partially the same reason that the first gen Panamera had the weird, weird roof. And that's because uh the head of CEO of Porsche was six foot five and said, If I can't sit comfortably in the back of this thing, just forget it. I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Sorry, COVID. Um, uh, no, I don't think so. We'll not. find out. We will find the fuck out. Um, but uh, you, it's got a ton of room in the front. If I move the seat all the way back, I can almost not touch the pedals. Uh, it's got a ton of room in the back. Even if I move the seat all the way back, Zach could sit, sit behind me. Yep. Um, very expansive dash. The door cutouts make the car feel like re- wider on the inside than it it's is like on the outside. It's like a Lancia Stratos door, where, yeah. where like I mean, for people that don't understand that reference, like you could you could hang a helmet in the Lancia Stratos next to you while you sat in there. Yeah. This door, it's like an overhang you could rock climb in, so it's all you have all this shoulder and arm room. So yeah. the whole thing feels very like round and bubbly, but uh, sleek at the same time. Yeah. Touch screens were really fast, mm-hmm. really responsive. There's not really a lot of real buttons. Uh, it's mostly touchscreen. There's two like rocker switches on the steering wheel. One is for volume, and one is for like your next select the next track on your iPod or whatever. Uh, and there's a the toggle switches for temperature on the dashboard, um, but the rest of it is touchscreen. But they've done a pretty good job of making the touch where you touch like big clear with like defined outlines like i didn't have a whole lot of trouble touching the finding the appropriate thing to touch yeah i think we figured it out really quickly it was all intuitively laid out and a lot of the things you interact with frequently 
like temperature and uh, mirrors and stuff were always on this main screen, which yeah. is what you want. I don't want to have to go look through menus, whether it's touchscreen or buttons. I don't want to have to do that. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to give me touchscreen, at least do that. Yeah. There's a power-operated frunk. It's not a hatchback. It's got a regular sedan trunk. Uh, it looks like it could be a hatchback in photos, but it isn't. And it has, as Zach is showing the photo right now, it has the Tesla Model X style windshield that goes up past the top of your head. Uh, there's no like. Um, bin- the roof, what do you the roof call is almost entirely glass, except for two structural beams. One of which is behind the driver's head, yeah. So you don't really notice it. And then the next one is, uh, I guess, back where like the C pillar would connect. Yeah. Um, so it's very bright, airy. Uh, light feeling experience. There is this kind of funky two-tone interior where the the front seats are trimmed in black leather and the rear seats are trimmed in tan leather or gray leather. It's it's sort of a it it the idea I think is that the driver has a more cockpit like vibe right. and the passengers in the back have a more airy sort of spa like vibe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what they said in their in their press stuff. And yeah. it looks I mean it looks cool. I think it's a, a beautiful interior, both uh, the design of it and the execution of it, the materials, the fit. I mean, there's a lot of room, ton, tons of space. Tons I don't. I didn't space. think the seats were sculpted quite as nice as like an S class, but S class is a very high bar, and if you're just below an S class, that's still very good. I agree. Um, they like the massaging seats were really good. I thought the seats were like on par with Range Rover. Which is, I mean, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's very, very good. Um, the it, massage it, function was also legit. It didn't feel like a gimmick. I've, there's been plenty of cars we're in where I'm like, this is more annoying than it is useful. Right. I thought it was. A, I thought the massages were really it's good. Very strong. <laughs> they were really nice. Um, and and driving it, I mean, look, it's a thousand horsepower, right? And and eleven hundred horsepower. And so there's three different drive modes. You know, that's uh, I forget the names of the drive modes. Let's just call them range. Like Swift, and Swift, s- smooth, smooth was range mode. Mm-hmm. Swift was sport mode, and then I forget sprint. I think might have been yeah, I think right. kill full kill. Yeah, um, and so even on it, it changes not just uh, the amount of power that you get. I think even the even the range mode is like nine hundred horsepower. Right. And so on a canyon road, especially a wet canyon road, there is fundamentally no difference between 900 and 1100 horsepower. They're, they're both, it's just both like bonsai power. Right. Um, and then, you know, as you go to, to the swift mode, which is a sp- the middle one, the sport mode, the, the adaptive shocks firm up a bit, the steering firms up a bit, the uh, the accelerator, no, not the accelerator, the brake pedal feel changes a little bit. It's a more sporty brake feel. Um, and then as you go to the full sprint, it's the firmest shocks, it's the most responsive throttle, you get the launch mode, you get all that other, all that other stuff. For, but um, what really stood out, because, you know, it's, it's an EV, right? It's an EV. So it's silent power. It's a ton of power. It's very rare you can use all of it. Yeah. And if you do, you might fucking send this thing off a cliff. You know, the brakes are good enough for a road car. Not Lucid isn't taking this thing to the Nürburgring. They're not claiming it's got race car brakes. They're 15-inch brakes. They're not shit. But, you know, you're talking 1,000 horsepower. You know, you could overcook these fucking things. We didn't. We didn't get the chance to in the rain to overcook the brakes. But like, 
you know, thousand horsepower EV. Well, it's could, really, really quiet inside. Yeah, as a lot of these top of the line EVs are. But because it's so quiet, as we've said before, you can easily go thirty miles an hour too fast into a corner if yeah. all you do is if you get caught up in the excitement of the acceleration and going, oh wow, doesn't this feel great? Yeah. All of a sudden, you're at the turn. All of a sudden, you've had a big fast. crash. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what really stood out to me was the ride. The ride of it. The ride was extraordinary. I thought, oh I, yeah, especially for a car without air suspension. It's, right, it, it's coils yeah. with clever uh, dampers. <clears throat> Bilstein makes the dampers, and it's what they said is it's the same adaptive damper that Mercedes uses in the S Class, but without an air spring. It's got a coil spring, so the height isn't adjustable um, like a Mercedes uh, is. But I think this is top three best riding cars I've ever been in. And like the number one is the Maybach with the hydraulic suspension. That's that was the smoothest car I've ever been in. This is like pretty much right up there. Um, on on smooth tarmac, it was glass. Yeah, really, really incredible. glass. Really, really incredible. To go from that, get out of that, and get back in the black series to drive down the hill, it was like, oh my god, you what did a the wrong order. what a spread. Yeah, right. I drove the Lucid for an hour. An hour and a half, and then I had to do eight more hours in the Black Series the yeah. rest of the day. You and started I was like, in the hot tub, then you did manual labor afterwards. Oh, my yeah. God. I, I wish if I had had the Lucid for the Coastal Range Rally, that would have been incredible. Been that would have really been fun. so awesome. And it would have been pretty good on the uh, the twisty roads. On the bumpy? I mean, yeah, it would The bumpy would have been amazing because there were yeah. a lot of bumpy roads, which we'll get to. But like the ride and the body control of the Lucid, while without stiffening the suspension so much that then it was jarring you as well— to do that without having, I don't think it had active roll bars. To Doesn't. do that with coil suspension is really, really impressive. Like, yeah. It reminds me of the magic of Lotus, where it's like somehow this is has great cornering grip and responsiveness, but is also compliant. And it only has one setting. The Lotus in the Lotus, there's not even adaptive shocks. Yeah, just one setting. Right. So this was like, um, it for a, a new company's first car, it was shockingly good. Really impressive. Um. The there was a panel gap around the trunk that I said looked a little wonky, and one of their representatives said, "Well, you need to have this gap be bigger than the other gaps so that if someone slams the trunk really hard, the body panels don't hit each other. But at the same time, it has a power trunk, and even if you I tried to close the trunk manually, even if you don't hit the button to close it, the, it resists it. It's like you know, with power trunks. If you try to close them without using the power, there's res- it's it's almost impossible to do what he said they were trying to present. So if I had any criticisms, there's two criticisms I have. One, that panel gap, and granted this was a pre-pro car, but if for, it was 170 grand. That panel gap wasn't great. Pre-pro car, company's first car, never sold a car before to the public. They haven't been building cars for 10 or 15 years. They've never built any cars. So one panel gap around the trunk was a little wonky to me. And two, the onboard vehicle's GPS was cell phone-based, which drove me nuts on, in the Teslas, and it and I don't like it in this. Because if I want a fucking cell phone GPS, you can get it from my phone. Thank you. I, I need a car's GPS to be satellite-based. So that if I'm somewhere where there's no service, the car can get me fucking out of there. Right. That, to me, is kind of unacceptable. Um, I didn't make a huge deal about it in the video. Uh, We might have mentioned it briefly, but on further 
pondering later in the day, I was like, yeah, that that fucking LTE based GPS, that's no good for a built-in system in a car. Yeah, because there's so many places we've driven to, and granted there are few and fewer these days, but there's so many places you go to where your phone doesn't have service or it has yeah. one bar or something, and like now your navigation system is running really slow. And I feel yeah. like for a long time we could rely on the car's nav to help us get out of wherever we were, even if this, we couldn't talk to our friends or contact anybody. So I wonder if more of them are moving to LTE cell phone based because it's cost-saving, because now you're putting the the power and the transmitting responsibility on the cell phone mm-hmm. instead of on the car, but that kind of sucks. It's just, it, I just don't feel as safe with it. It seems like, you know like when how Detroit for so many years built cars that fucking didn't go around corners because Detroit didn't have any corners? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It feels like that. It feels like it feels like you developed a car in an area like you've never been to an area without cell phone service. You know what I mean? Like, well, there's cell phone service at your development center. There's cell phone service at your factory. Most of your customers live in cities, so this isn't a problem. Except it it becomes a problem at the worst possible time. Right. I mean, it may, it may be exactly that. Most of the people. And they're playing the numbers. Most of the people are never going to drive there, so we don't need to worry about it. But, I mean, credit to someone like Bugatti, who they go and test the cars in Death Valley. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, sure, most of the customers live in cities where it's not where it's pretty temperate, but some of them want to be able to drive these really fast in the desert, and the car has to be able to do that. Yeah. And so uh, I don't necessarily think it's an indicator that the rest of the car is not developed, but, like, that one thing is kind of like, oh, come on. You know, that bummed me out. Um, but But – the build quality looked looked and felt very premium. It felt well thought out. It was excellently screwed together. Yeah. The gauges um, in front of the wheel were really nice. They did a thing mm-hmm. very similar to the um, Taycan with just this like sweeping screen. Yeah. And a lot of those controls or uh, gauges stay up the whole time. You can't change them a lot. Some people might like that. Some people may not. But I liked that the headlight controls and some of the others on the left side were always there. They're yeah. static, so I know that they're always going to be there. Yeah, and they I think they took maximum advantage of the freedom that LCD screens provide. You know, the gauges were still very readable and legible and gave you the information you want, but but you could change the sort of mood of the gauges and the the sort of color schemes in the background quickly and easily in a, in a way that was very visually attractive. It's a fucking cool car. Yeah, it I is. mean, it's a really, really cool car, and um, it seems like with the with the nine hundred volt architecture um, that you you can charge it really fast on uh, on regular CCS chargers, the the um, the, the like EA, Electrify yeah. America and whatever other ones, and um, and I think you can get a pretty fast built in charger for your house as well. I think they said it was nineteen kilowatt. Charger, which is which is good. The ones here are twelve, so you know nineteen is pretty good for good. a home charger. Another you 50%. could easily get all your charging done, you know, for in nineteen kilowatts, and and they have one that makes quote only nine hundred horsepower, but that has a five hundred and twenty mile range. Right now, it's important to mention that the reason it has a five hundred twenty twenty mile range is partially because of efficient design and packaging. You know, point two oh eight drag coefficient, but also it has a hundred and eighteen kilowatt hour battery. That's the biggest battery on the market right now. The Mach-E has an 83 kilowatt battery. You know what I mean? The uh, uh, What's the Tesla Plaid? Tesla Plaid, I mean, a, a P100D was about 100 kilowatt. What's a Tesla Plaid? Yeah, it's 100. Tesla Plaid's 100. So the battery itself is 18% bigger than a Tesla. So if we want to be objective, it's not that it's 18%. 
it's not that the that the range is necessarily just you know it's not just due to the slippery car correct. and their optimized electronics you know because they they've they've spoken very highly of, or they're very proud of efficiency and they've shrunk these controllers or they've made the system more efficient and you know the wires like transmit electricity better or they use less electricity to operate certain functions that other cars also have right but to your point yeah the battery it also has an enormous battery yeah you know so it's like my 911 my safari 911 would do 450 miles because it had a 24 gallon endurance tank the question is is there if their battery is their battery uh if it's 18% bigger than the battery in the Plaid, is there a range more than 18% longer than the Plaid's range? I, I, you or know, the I'm not. Range Tesla, like, I, actually, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where to find a real world, real world Model S Plaid range. Uh, advertising 396 miles. Yeah, so, so it's the Plaid range, not the Plaid performance. So. So the plaid so this average advertises about 28% more range than a long With the battery, range it's Tesla. 18%. So there's yeah. their efficiency so they speak of. There so might be legit. some too, yeah. 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 Um, if, if, assuming the cars, you know, and if, like let's just assume they're going to work really well and not going to have a bunch of problems, you know, teething issues. It's a really 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 nice way to get around and I think we'll probably draw a lot of people from Model S's and other competitors. Um it doesn't have the charging network that Tesla has. Of course, Tesla will have that ace in the hole. But this does kind of compete with the Taycan and all the other luxury brands that are going to be offering their EVs because they're all using the Electrify America and other companies, yeah. you know, kind of third-party networks. Yeah. I mean, it does incentivize Electrify America to to, to invest more. True. You know, and, and if the, the more of these that, that are out, you know, and that we might get to a point where there are more Electrify America chargers than there are. You know, and also there's charge point and whatever the other ones too. Yeah. Um, but uh, I hope that the experience with those public chargers is gets improved because we had, as we talked about on a previous show, a bit of a stressful experience using those things on the road away from home. When they work, they work great. But having to plug into a couple of different ones before I found one that worked and and if the app freezes or if the app doesn't uh, if I've again if I've got no cell service right. and the yeah, app yeah, yeah. and I can't hit that start charging button from the app, you know what I mean? Um well, and another people, thing about them that uh, I think a lot of people forget about is that all the Tesla's charging um, stations have like the superchargers. All all of those are a supercharger. Yeah, and they can all run at like whatever the max voltage is. But if you go to the EA one, if they have six three fifties, from what I've heard from customers talking to me online, is that like if two cars are occupying those three fifties, the other four are going to slow down. Like there's only so much draw oh, the whole thing can use. The whole system. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard interesting stories like that as well, where I've I've plugged I've. I plugged into one, and there'd be a guy next to me plugged into another one. He's like, "What's yours doing?" And mine be mine would be going at 120, and he'd be like, "Mine's only going at like 82." And I'm like, "I don't, I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't know. I'm sure there's a total voltage of the system, right? You know that can that can be supplied, and it varies on how much is going to that you know site. Yeah. Um, but just from from a perspective of new company, new car, starting from zero. You know, it's a fucking nice, nice, nice product that feels very complete. It doesn't feel like you're driving someone's prototype. It feels like you're driving a 
a fleshed out, you know, really well thought out um, car. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And and uh, it feels spacious and minimalist-esque, but without actually being min- – like, minimalism – as an aesthetic is cool. Minimalism because you're trying to save money and not having stuff there because stuff costs money. So you can be like, oh, I'm being minimalist. But like, no, you're just not having stuff there. That's different. Yes. Like, like if you have an apartment with a mattress on the floor, you could be like, yes, I'm being minimalist. It's like, are you or do you just not own anything? Yeah, you I know? lived that way once. <laughs> yeah. We had uh Folding chairs for our furniture. Right. It was like, are you minimalist? Like, no, we're both very lazy and I'm poor. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, if you're interested in uh, in a Lucid, apparently you just order one off their website and then they will deliver it to your house. Yeah. Or the, or you can go to one of their like studios, studios. And, and they'll teach you how to use it and all that stuff there. But um, they'll also just deliver it to your house. It's a, it's a buy on demand. And according to the homies uh, who work there, they said that they're sold out for like a year. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want one, you should probably order one soon. Because it might, nice might be a little while. Really nice car. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to start seeing them around around town. I mean, it's, and it, and it was, uh, I want to get, and they, they were disappointed that it was raining because we couldn't go. You know, we still went, at a, we still went at a reasonable pace. I mean, Considering California Canyon roads in the wet are some of the most dangerous places you could drive because it rains so rarely and all the dust and the oils and whatever, um, I think I still think we went a pretty reasonable pace in this thing. Yeah, and I remember being really amazed by the grip level it had uh, on our launch, zero to sixty. I mean, the first time there was so little wheel spin, like the computers figured yeah. out the traction so fast, yeah. and then, and it wasn't like it cut the cut power down to a hundred because it's like oh it's really slippery. I mean we moved forward at a very good rate. Yeah, yeah, it was really fast. Yeah, it's a very fast car. I really liked it. Um, then we uh, walked away from that. I did eleven hundred miles in the AMG GT Black Series, which is a really really interesting car. Um, it's interesting because it's totally different from all other black series that came before it um, because it has a totally unique engine. Uh, every other black series before it has been a mildly hot-rodded version of the 63 engine with some unique bodywork and with, you know, bucket seats and a big wing or whatever. Um, and they've been cool, but this one has a flat plane crank. It has different turbos. It has different cams, different heads, different exhaust. Um, it sounds and behaves unlike any other, not just AMG GT, but like any other Mercedes. It's the least Mercedes feeling Mercedes that I've ever driven. Yeah, I agree with that. You know what I mean? I haven't driven an EQS. That might be very un Mercedes as well. But, but, if you've driven any or been around or been in any of the Mercedes with the V8s, with either the 63 or the 55 or the 4 liter, they have a very similar quality. They go glub, 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 glub in the parking lot like an old hot rod. They have a particular snarl that is very unmistakable. They rev a very particular way, and it's very familial. You know what I mean? They all feel like they're from the same family. This car feels like you took a McLaren 720 engine and put it in the front. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. It's totally different. It sounds totally different. It revs totally different. 
it vibrates and pulses totally different. Um, and so the fact that that engine is available on such a low production car and only on this low production car is a really wild thing. Do you think they're developing it, this technology of flat plane and stuff, and they'll use it with something in the future, some sort of supercar or mid-engine car? Possibly? Probably. Or they're homologating it for racing. Right. You know, because it's it's a lot more power. I mean, it's uh, compared to the GTR, the AMG GTR, the oh, next it's level so down. Oh, more power. It's a plus 143 horsepower and plus 74 torque. It's a huge bump in power. Yeah. And they also said... Uh, that the flat plane helps them deliver the power a little smooth, smoother. The power comes on a little bit earlier, which all the thing. Well, the smooth, the earlier part would definitely benefit in racing. Sure. Now I don't. I'm not an engineer, so I don't actually know why a flat plane does that. That's what they said in the press release. So if somebody wants to comment, why? Great. But it's not just about. It's not that they just added 140 horsepower because they feel like they could have done that on the four liter mm-hmm. with big turbos and some different heads and all the other stuff. But mm-hmm. they decided to change almost the architecture of the engine, which is a big deal. Well, it does give it a more motorsport feel, certainly. Uh, it does change it from how the, the other cars feel. Um, you know, there's also uh, you know advanced advanced suspension geometry and revised drive modes and all this other stuff. S- spherical bushings. It's so the upside is that it's ridiculously fast. It runs a six forty three at the Nurburgring. It's ridiculously fast. Active aero, super sticky Cup two R tires. Um, the the downside is, it is exhausting to drive. It's so loud, not from the engine. This the it's just like the exhaust combined with the road noise. There's also wind noise from the big wings. There's way less sound deadening. So like the trunk, the trunk lid and the roof are carbon fiber, and just like. A lot of the outside comes in. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like the window is down a little bit. Yeah. You know? And because during the drive-bys when we were filming, that, this car is quieter than our E46s. Really? We, yeah. It's very quiet when you come by. It, it makes me think like, oh, you're off throttle the whole time. You're not – like you were moving quickly, blah, blah, blah. But it's just this really quiet, that sewing machine, precise drill kind of sound versus – as you said, like the hot rod AMG yeah. loud Camaro, you know, all that small sound block comes Chevy inside. Thing. It's right. all inside. But you have all this rolling noise from these huge tires and the air going under, under the car, over the car, etc. It all comes through. When you turn the car off, the fans stay on for like five minutes. They're so loud. Hannah's like, "What's wrong with it?" I mean, it's like, a fucking race car. Yeah, like it, this is a race car. And so anybody who thinks this is just for show, these are just aesthetic things, not at all. I mean, in when you open the trunk, there are these aluminum like arms that stick up from the trunk floor mm-hmm. those go to the chassis and what those are is that when they when all the downforce this 300 kilograms from that huge wing starts pressing down on that trunk it doesn't just bend the trunk it right. presses into those which then presses into the chassis yeah there's supports for the trunk so that the downforce doesn't actually collapse the hatch on the trunk yeah it's ridiculous i mean it's all race car shit mm-hmm. um and and you know, like just like the Lambo STO, which we have outside right now, and super down downpour again. Um, you know, it's it's it is the most extreme for better or worse. You know, if you it, it would be a special thing to have and drive for a couple hours on weekends. You know, it would be great to have one and keep it at your racetrack, country club, and run laps in it. 
because I bet it's a fucking motherfucker on the track. It's got to be amazing on the track. I've always felt a little more like the front mid-engine thing where the engine's still in front of you, but it's still behind the front axle. Mm-hmm. The balance of that and the ability to control that, I've always found to be really, really great. Like when the engine's behind you, things snap a little faster. You get a little more of that unsteady push sometimes if you don't get the corner right. With this, it's like it's like telepathic, the handling. Um, but it absolutely beats the shit out of you. It's, it, it's no longer a grand touring car that just looks very aggressive. Um, you know, it, if you really want to do, have it be your, your second car, your weekend car, your driving the canyons car, the GTC or even the GTR are substantially more civil, um, on a, on a, and usable. Also that the, the, the steering has been changed and the cameras changed and the Ackerman angle, when you go to park, it goes, gung, 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 gung. and my wife was like, it's broken. We've broken it. I'm like, no, no, that's like, cause it's a race car. And she's like, why would they sell a car like that? Like she didn't understand. Like you go to make a U-turn, it goes, gung, 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 gung. and it's even worse if it, if you do it in reverse. Like that noise, Jeez. if you do it while backing up, it really sounds like you've broken something. It does not sound good. I mean, no. It's just, and, you know, it's the nature of what it is, but it's what people happened. need to know that. Yeah. You want a race car, here's here's race car. Yes. It's like this, um, GT2 RS, 765LT, like any of those, 620R, that McLaren we drove that was basically bare carbon and we sit inside yeah. you know, on the on the uh, the tub. It's loud because they've taken all the things out and they've firmed everything up a lot. Yeah. Um, that's how you set records. If the road is beautifully smooth, the ride of this is acceptable in comfort mode. <laughs> if the road is not smooth, you are going to have a bucking bronco of a fucking day. The beginning of, you know, we did the Coastal Range Rally, which is put on by Driving While Awesome. Driving While Awesome is basically Radwood in motion. It's it's the Radwood guys. Um, Art, Brad, Warren, Lane, uh, and Rick put it on. Uh, they're lovely people. The, the, the kind of crowd that this event draws is a fine line between... Uh, actual dirt bags and very, very rich people playing dirt bags. Um, there's definitely people with two commas uh, in their net worth on this thing, and there are people with no and there's commas. people with no commas. Yeah, and they and and it's a great crowd. Uh, I, I really even both me and and Hannah on the drive home we were just like man I really I really liked all those people like just really nice people great interesting cars bunch of E30s a bunch of old Porsches uh, the Volvo Avalons right Amazon Amazons yeah Amazons. two old Volvo Amazons and then a V8 swapped Volvo V90 wagon um, I brought the wrong car um, and people told me it was going to be the wrong car people told me. Things like the roads are tough and challenging, and I was like, "What does that mean? They're canyons. Like, how fucking tough and ch-? what they they didn't come out and say was some of these roads these guys choose are like rally stages in terms of being fucking bumpy and shitty, like what you have just posted here uh, from Driving Wall Awesome's Instagram, which is this road is patched up to shit." 
And the perfect car on this road would be an actual rally car. Yeah, with very soft suspension. Like my fucking E46 from All Cars Go to Heaven 3 right. would have been excellent on this. Yeah. My Safari 911 would have been excellent on this. Um, you know, you brought you brought your E46 BMW with with the carbon slash KW suspension. Was it awesome or was it on the bumpy stuff? No, it was it was tough, yeah, right? The club sports are too stiff for those kinds of roads. Yeah, like they're meant for track stuff, smooth canyons, drifting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I had them on full soft. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, they were like we were bouncing around. Yeah, and it was not a good time when we got to the smoother roads. Yeah, on day two. Now I was like, this car feels totally different than it used to. It yeah. feels like it lost 600 pounds. It corners flat without being so numb, like when you have a you know like a 911 turbo with pads, and where like the horizon never changes. Right. You don't really know where the limit is. Like it didn't have that. It was great, but on the bumpy stuff like this, where it just looks like I don't even know what the, like ham. It's like these the vineyard ground. roads it's, that are it's just crazy. It's yeah, not good. yeah, uh, and and the Black Series was brutal on those roads. Now on yeah. the on Highway 58, which was brand new pavement, it was Oof. glorious. Yes. It was lovely. I mean, I was really really enjoying myself on that road. And so, you know, if you live somewhere where the roads are amazing, the Black Series is is fine. But Northern California, more so than Southern California, the roads are a little bumpier. Yeah. And so the you know, and the the veterans of this event, they all brought out scruffy E30s. Or, you know, 944s with sidewall or older 911s that were on 15-inch wheels with some sidewall. You know, you need a little ground clearance. You need a little suspension travel. You need a little sidewall. And those people were having a great time, and I was just getting the shit kicked out of me. Yeah, uh, and then the, the trade-off was when the roads got smooth. Cars like you, me, some of the people with a little bit more aggressive suspension were out front. Yeah. It was a race, but like we were just keeping more pace. Yeah. And the people with the sidewall were, you know, a little slower. A little slower. So yeah. So you just had to pick which road you wanted <laughs> to uh, have the most fun on. Yeah. But, uh, but, it, but, you know, the most important thing about those types of events is that the people are, are cool. So cool. And fun. And, and it was not an expensive event. Mm -mm. Uh, it, it was like 750 bucks for a couple. And then, you know, you had to book your own hotel, but the hotels we stayed in were not super expensive either. Meals and were included, uh, like lunch and dinner was lunch included. Lunch and dinner was included, um, and then booze was extra, but yeah. that's fine. And uh, and it was a very nice event. I yeah. really would encourage people um, who, you know, you don't, you don't need to have any kind of special car at all. I mean, you know, a fucking $7,000 E30 or E36 would be perfectly acceptable for any of these events or a fucking Volvo, like yeah. whatever. And the people were like responsible, you know, it wasn't, no one was trying to go way too fast. No one was trying to pass people on the shoulder. Like yeah. it didn't have, it, it didn't, didn't have, have that street problems. racy vibe. There was no street race vibe. There yeah. was no super exotic driving on the shoulder vibe. It yeah. Was just nice people. There was, there was a couple people that I think I, I wish they, and, and not in, in, to any individual, but like you know, in that in that group mentality, there was some of those roads where they're very very narrow, and they are technically two way roads. You know, there was not a lot of oncoming traffic. They're not used. Some people were mobbing on those roads. There, I was like, ah, I might I might not be mobbing quite so hard, knowing that a truck could be coming the other way. And that's any group driving event. And I, I'm not trying to point out any individual. I saw a variety of individuals getting, quote, in the spirit of things, you know. <laughs> and maybe I just, maybe because I was driving a car that was nine and a half feet wide, that I was a little more sensitive to it. And if you were driving, like, for example, 
just look at the, a, a, an Alpha Duetto or a BMW 2002 or a Porsche 912 or a Mini, maybe that's not you, do, you don't have to have that mindset. Very you true. Know? This guy in the Alpha, by the way, his name's Leslie. That guy I, ruled. I, I, feel, I feel bad. I never talked to him um, because I don't like talking to strangers. It, he. <laughs> It was 31 degrees, I think we got up one morning, and like 33 the next day. Like yeah. frost on everything. And this dude has a, con- a convertible, an Italian convertible from yeah. what, the 60s. Yeah. Like, that's a champion. There was ice on my car on both it. mornings. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, this th- he was the bravest soul out there, and he just did it with a smile the whole time. Yeah, no, people brought some some cool shit. And there's there was one guy who likes driving so much that he added two hours to the route on the second day. Really? Yeah. After everyone got that, he kept he at, he found some other way and did an additional two hours. Wow! Yeah, he was nuts. Um, and I thought, you know, if you're into driving, it was the right amount of like it's really like it, it's it's not like a like even adventure drives is more of like a see see a place kind of thing, right? This was really like. We are going to drive these curvy roads. Like that's the activity. It's got all curvy roads yeah. as much as that as possible. So, um, I thought they did a. It was nice and organized. It never seemed like a shit show. You know, um, it was cool. Yeah. Very cool. Highly but recommend it. Black Series wrong vehicle. You know, I you need you wanna. As soon as I rode in that car with you and we went and filmed it, I was like, oh, this that's you had this kind of weekend. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. And and it and. You know that's just that's what that car is, and, and f- so one of the couple of the roads had a lot of gravel on it. So before anyone asks, don't you wish you brought your M3? I do not, because I, I I'm not going to be a bitch about this car. I'm going to drive the car. I'm not going to be a bitch about it. But if my first experience with this car was it Led getting gravel machine gunned. I would have been fucking pissed. Yeah. I would have been like, oh, my God. And, you know, the uh, I tried to minimize the gravel damage on the Black Series as much as I could. I really did. I was as careful as I could possibly be. You know, we were avoiding it, as much of it as we could. And with a Cup 2R tire it and no sound insulation, it sounds way worse than it is. Yeah. All the gravel gets thrown up in the wheel wells, which are plastic, you know, but like I was going, ah, ah, and this isn't a borrowed car. I mean, if it was in my own car, and you remember the Fox body, you remember what happened? Mm-mm. The Fox body, after I finally got the body work done, finally got, I got the whole car painted black, wheels on it, and it was done and ready to drive. I was like, hit the canyons. The very first drive, I went up uh, Upper Big Tahunga Canyon, and it was like middle of November, and they had graveled it. And I didn't have any mud flaps or anything. And the very first drive, I gravel machine gunned the entire sides of the car. They were fucked. I completely destroyed the paint on the first day. And I, I never got it fixed. It was Jesus. fucked the whole rest of the time I had the car. Yeah, you have to get the, the you have to get the plastic film yeah. on three first. Yeah, the paint is just it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, I, and I did we did the whole ammo reflex on it, but ammo reflex helps against dirt and leaves and shit like that. It does it will not help with gravel. So no, that's when you need you know the three M clear bra. Yeah, yeah. So if you're gonna bring a nice car, you, you gotta have a you gotta have paint protection film. Otherwise, honestly, if and I and there's the, a lot of these folks who do this driving while 
awesome events have cars that are just for that. Yeah. That are well set up. They got good tires. They got good motors, you know, mechanically totally sound. And the exteriors are scruffy so they can not give a fuck. And I totally respect that. A hundred percent respect that. I just think uh, I'm, I'm just glad that with the amount of gravel that was on the roads, I'm glad I didn't bring my brand new car. I would have been. And everybody up there was like, oh, I saw you posting that you're going to bring your M3. And they were like, I hope you don't do that. They, were, they knew. Oh they God. all knew. None of them fucking told me, <laughs> by the way. They just said to themselves, oh, he's fucked. Oh, man, I knew that girl was crazy. I meant to tell you, yeah. but I forgot. Yeah. So she lit your house on fire? <laughs> yeah. Damn. I, I meant that. Oh, the text didn't send. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was exactly it. I'm I'm so glad I didn't because I would it would have been it's cuz it's perfect. Yeah, you've been worried. And it would have been fucked and I would have been so mad and I I don't want to travel and be mad. I want to travel and have fun. And I tried to take care of this black series, but at the end of the day, expensive or not, it's a press car. I mean, it picks up gravel. Just pulling off into dirt turnout at yeah. 2 miles an hour. Yeah. It sounds like a hailstorm yeah. is happening inside each fender well. Yeah. So that's what happens with sticky tires when they get warm. Yeah, and because I was with Hannah, and Hannah gets motion sickness when I drive really fast, you know, we were pulling over and letting people buy a lot. Which is fine. I don't have to prove. I don't need to go fucking race pace up there. I don't give a shit. I do a lot of driving. I wanted to have fun with my wife. I wanted to hang out with the people and whatever. So, but we had we did a lot of pulling over into gravel turnouts, and it was ah! so bad. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. So I'm sorry, Mercedes. Thank you for letting me use your car. We had the most thorough Black Series test of, of anybody. I'm the only person to do 1,200 miles in that 1200? car. Yeah. Wow. yeah. It was a lot of miles. And when we when we filmed it, I mean, in the corners and stuff, it is as stiff and agile as you would expect. Oh, and yeah. Hope. I mean, the steering rack is quick. Really quick. It is like Ferrari five years ago quick. Yeah. It's almost a little too quick, but the damping is done really well. Yeah. And it just changes direction and goes and stops and holy <laughs> shit. But yeah. And you can carry incredible speed through corners. It gets the power down. You know, for a rear a rear wheel drive only car, you do a launch, it finds its traction for a couple of feet, and then it's fucking gone. Yeah. The gearbox is rapid fire. You know, the, the brakes are is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Zach, there's a code I have a little code brown in the video. Zach scares me by go, going deep into the brakes in the yeah. corner. Went deeper which, into the brake pedal. Yeah, which is okay. Um, you know, it's a three hundred and forty thousand dollar car. Um, but just, you know, if you if you want one, know what you're getting into. You're you're buying a street legal race car. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not a touring car with a body kit on it and, and a bunch of wings. It's it's a fucking race car and it feels like it. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. Very, very intense. Um I guess we should probably uh go to we go to questions. Sure. I'll I'll talk about the the Lambo Ascenza next week, I guess. Okay. Sounds good. Right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. We could, that can wait. That's a race car too. We don't need to talk about two race cars in one show. Um Questions all from our Patreon. If you want to ask us uh, any questions during the podcast, the only way to do it is to be a patron at uh, patreon.com slash the smoking tire podcast. Of course, there's three levels of membership. They're all spelled out right there on the page. Most people go for the pro driver level because that allows you to get um, access to the show as soon as it ends even if you miss the live broadcast you don't have to wait till Tuesday or Thursday it goes up right then uh, you get the extra ninth show uh, once a month and then of course you also get ad free listening uh, or watching and you get to ask us questions you get everything for 10 bucks a month there's also the three dollar and six dollar options three and eight. Oh, excuse me three and eight sorry 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Loicano. Loicono. Loicono. Uh, have you seen Motor Week retro reviews? Uh, so interesting how American buyers have and haven't changed over the years. John Davis would be a great guest. He would be. He lives somewhere not near here, and I wouldn't want to do it totally virtually. But Motor Week is a classic, uh, and and there's all on YouTube's. Uh, there's they have a YouTube channel. There's a bunch of old old fucking videos. Some of them are intentionally hilarious, and some are unintentionally yeah, hilarious. Some are just the times. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I but I've seen it. I used to watch it back in the day when it was on. Uh, was it on PBS? It, uh, I think it was then. It was like on Power Block for, at, at a certain point. It was it on. It's on. Around. I think it bounced around. But I yeah. did watch it like when it was on television. You know, as a kid. And in fact, when I first found Top Gear, you know, as an American, we found it through the torrents sites and and um, Final Gear website. Like we didn't watch yeah. it. The first, the 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 best thing about Top Gear at the time was like, holy shit! It was like. Motor Week, and then this? And this then is insane. Drifts and I mean, Top Gear took the information of Motor Week, but then added a closed airfield for excited, exciting right. driving. Right, and braking stuff and whatever. Yeah. And when we first started the smoking tire, it, my, my, my whole mindset was you've got Motor Week and you've got Top Gear and there's nothing in between. And we could be the, we could be the in between. Uh, Rich Babinroth. Uh, okay, hang on a second. We can... Shortness. Not counting your current rides, what car would you buy with with mods and making it with work for you for sub fifteen thousand, sub thirty thousand, sub sixty thousand, and unlimited? I think this we should is, choose one of these. This is a very long question. All right, I'll choose sub fifteen thousand. Okay, I would buy a. Since I've been on the kick, I would probably try to find a BMW three twenty five is, and. Uh, just get some lightweight wheels, tires, and a, a nice set of shocks. Call it a day. There were a lot of those on the rally. Yeah, Art had a beautiful strong. one. His seemed to be great. having a great time. Now, yeah. I, I don't I don't know, without looking on eBay or whatever right now, I don't know if I could specifically get one for under 15. I feel like it would be a little scruffy, but I could. But, like, that's a, that's a great analog but still modern enough driving experience. Very, very true. Yeah. Zach, do you want to take one? So many, such a range. Uh, pick, I, pick I think I would go sub 30 and I would buy a BRZ and then put a supercharger on it. There you and go. Good, and good suspension. That would probably be the ultimate canyon driving vehicle for that me. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who wrote this one. Was this, oh, whoops, the, just... the name got deleted. Oh. Uh, I Actually, don't know. It was him as well. Oh, it was? Oh, if you could bring an actual rally car on the next DWA, what would it be and why? Um, I'd love a, a 2.5 RS with a, a, a nice set of, uh, like an RSTI. Right. Two-door, not too loud, stock STI engine, well dialed in, not super aggressive, you know, lots nice suspension travel, lightweight. Yeah, 2.5 RS would be absolutely ideal with an RSTI swap. Um, and I think the second part was if you could pick any other brand new car to drive on this event. I, I was actually talking to someone about this. They're not going to like what I have to say, I don't think. I think a Macan Turbo would have been like excellent or mm -hmm. Macan GTS would have been excellent because um, those are like luxury rally cars. Yeah. Um, and they're fun enough on the good twisties and they have enough compliance on the, yeah. on the bad roads. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a C8 Corvette has great ride quality. Um, 
I think the I think to go back to Lotus, the Lotus Evora, sure, would have, would have been pretty good. Yeah, ability's not great for some of the uh, really tight weird stuff, but it's got enough ground clearance and stuff. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, rally, you know, rally cars. I can think of like, you know, Golf R would be fun, or Audi RS3 would be lovely. That would be a really fun one. Or that'd be good. They're stiff. I think, Are they I, stiff? Yeah. Okay. I think you gotta go S3. Oh, maybe S3. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I mean, I I thought a, like a Macan GTS would rule. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, J- Jontfin, Jontfman, John TF man. I bought a 2006 Phaeton that needed some work about a year ago. Now I finally fixed everything, but going through the repair process made me feel nervous for the future and less excited about the car. I know how that feels. I mean, if you know what it t- takes to get something going, you know you you can. You, it becomes fragile. Yeah. You know. That's that, that that's 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 legit. I don't know. There's not a, a question there. Oh, oh, there's more. Sorry, I didn't realize there was more. It's more of a weekend car now that I travel for work and I have a backup. How do you think through this common owner dilemma? Uh, sell it before it costs me even more money, or enjoy it now that I finally got it right? Well, did you buy the car thinking it wasn't going to cost you money? I mean, it seemed at the beginning of your question, it said like you bought it knowing it, knowing it would need work. And so presumably you bought it because you thought the end product would be something you'd want to use, right? Not because you wanted to learn how to wrench on a Phaeton. I don't think that would be wise. If you, if you bought a cheap Phaeton that needed work and then you did the work, you have to ask yourself, is the end product now that it works something you want to use? If it is, then you should just use it. And the work that you put into it is instead of the money you would have spent to buy a working one. And so your sweat equity is in it, and maybe you don't turn a profit on it, you know, maybe you don't ever see that money again, but now you have the thing you wanted in the first place. Um, Selling it before it costs you money, you've now done that work and spent time and spent money for no return. Now maybe you realize now that it's done that you don't actually like it as much as you thought you would. That's a whole other problem. If you made it nice and then the end product is, well, it's actually not that exciting, then cut and run and get something else. But if you like it and it works and that's why you wanted it in the first place. So I would at least try to get some enjoyment out of it. Out of it. At least get some of the payoff. You know, if yeah. you watch a boring movie where the first 90% sucks and then you you know that the last 10% has the action scene, but you just give up beforehand, you've put all the work in. So like yeah. drive it for at least a couple of weeks to experience it. And then I think you have to make that decision for sure. Yeah. Otherwise, you wasted a lot of time. Well, this is a problem with old luxury cars. I can understand why old sports cars would be worth the effort because it's a visceral experience. Maybe it's an experience you can't get anymore. Maybe it's an experience you can't afford to buy new, but but you buy a cheap one, you fix it, and now you've got it, and it's your, it's your weekend car anyway, and you've got a regular car. But like one of the things that um, my friend Marco at TLG and Doug DeMuro and I learned by buying a classic Mercedes was that it's not actually all that exciting, even if it works. Just driving it around, it's solid, you know, and it's smooth, 
but it's certainly not exciting. Right. My R129SL looked great when it was parked there, but it was not exciting at all to drive. And so if I had bought a cheap one, spent money to fix it up, and that was the end product, it wouldn't be all that rewarding to me. I bought a nice one. I used it as a car. I spent a little bit of money on maintenance here and there, and I sold it for what I paid for it. So it only cost me the 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 one service that I did and a set of tires and insurance. That's all I was out for that whole for the whole two years I had the car. The rest of it was net zero. So as transportation, I had two years of reliable transportation for one service and a set of tires. So it was worthwhile and it looked good, but it wasn't exciting. So if I had spent all these weekends wrenching to have an experience that then was that, I'd be like, well, this is disappointing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the problem with all, you know, 15-year-old luxury cars is that a luxury car isn't that exciting once it's not the newest, most luxurious. It's not meant to be. It's yeah. meant to be calming and yeah. keep you from feeling stressed or excited. Right. That's what its job is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the problem with that. Uh, Jonathan says, how am I liking the E46 M3? Uh, didn't I used to have a Laguna Seca blue one? No, I never, I've never owned another M3. I've driven it five times so far. I was gone for a lot of this. I, but I really like it. It's, it is um, very, very comfortable. It sounds great when you rev it. The inputs are really nice. It feels like a brand new car with the dining shit on it. It sounds really good. It's, it's responsive. It's absolutely fast enough for my needs. Um, and it looks it looks and feels great. After getting out of the Black Series, I drove the Black Series back here and then got in it and went home. It felt like a Bentley. Yeah. It was like a, it was literally like a Bentley yeah. after the Black Series. Yeah. Um, and so I I haven't driven it as much as I expected just yet because I've got um, a variety of very exciting press cars I have to drive for work. But I will continue to drive it, and so far so good. Uh, Gavin Sorensen, do you see a future where electric cars get simulated gearing and gear shifts, fake internal external noises? No, not gear shifts. Not noises gear for shifts. sure. I mean, they're yeah. doing that already. Even yeah, cars with gas engines do that now. So I think that's. Yeah. I think we're going to see more variety of engine sound offerings, and people will be able like downloadable content. You can customize your shit, but I don't think there's an gears. overlap of people who want an EV. And and who want to shift some H pattern, fake sh- fake shift an H pattern. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that that group exists. I agree. I mean, you've got the Taycan that actually has a two speed gearbox, and maybe there's a day where you could control that gearbox more so than you can now. I doubt it. But I've driven a lot of EVs, and I've never ever once in an EV wished that it had a fake manual ever and and i'm i'm the most i've got gas and clutch tattooed on my legs right. like you you're not going to find yeah. someone who's more enthusiastic about a manual than me but that's not where i go to find it and they're not going to build it unless the market is large enough to call for it and right. you're an example of you think you'd be the market and you're not so they're not yeah. going to do that that's kind of like being like do you ever think the la symphony will go on tour doing exclusively iron maiden covers like no it's not the same. It's not the same audience. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, 
Um, Nathan Jenkins, have either of us gone to the M driving experience at the BMW plant in South Carolina? Uh, I just ordered a new M car and selected M driver's package as an option. Because why not? There's almost no info about it on the BMW configurator. Wait. I'm confused. I think if you get M driver's package, you get the school. Oh, that's the school. At, at either, yeah. either that's the school or it's included with that. Uh, we haven't... Well, I can't speak. You haven't. Have, I haven't done the school. I've been to that factory. We went to film there for drive. Um, I drove on their track, which is small but fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some of their instructors. They're very talented. Um, I can't imagine you would have a bad time going to the school there. I mean, Trimble did um, the school. She said it was great. Yeah, did a lot of like wet skid pad drifting stuff, and you know, general cornering apex lessons. I think there's a lot of tail out stuff that you do at those at those experiences. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're buying an M car or a Porsche or any high performance car, and they offer those schools as an option, you should absolutely take them, totally. always. And it's in their car, not your car. Correct, it is in their cars. Um, they have a museum there of classic BMWs, some of which I've actually driven, and um, it's a neat thing. I, Spartanburg is kind of a dull city, but while you're down there, go to Charleston. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but I would recommend, yeah. I haven't done the school itself, but the facility is very nice. Uh, Tom, T-H-O-M, Tom. I want a 911 and I live in Colorado. I have a truck to drive in the snow, but would enjoy driving a 911 year round. Is the all-wheel drive in a 911 a sacrifice to your driving style? I want a full 911 experience. The newer the 911 you buy, the less you notice the all-wheel drive. You notice it less in like a 992 than in a 991 and you notice less in 991 than 997. Is it necessary? No. Uh, snow tires will get you really, really far in those cars. Really far. I've seen people drive rear wheel drive 911s on snow tires in all kinds of different climates. And so if you're not planning on driving it all the time in deep snow, and it seems like you have another option for that, I would not say to get the all wheel drive. I would say to skip it and use that money on something else. The steering feel is a little better in the rear wheel drive cars. They are lighter. Um, and, and snow tires, if you're willing to get a set of snow tires for, for the winter, you know, especially if you're just driving it in the cold and not in the deep snow, you're going to be fine mm-hmm. 95% of the time. Um, so I would say don't get it. Um, but if you are nervous about be- being caught in the snow or, or whatever, um, no, it doesn't ruin the car. Lots of people buy all-wheel drive 911s, and they drive really nice. And if you didn't drive the rear-wheel drive and the all-wheel drive back-to-back, you'd probably never know the difference. My friend lives in Colorado. He has a 997 C4S, and he also takes it to High Plains Raceway. Like, mm-hmm. So he tracks it and drives it in the yeah. winter. Yeah, like, you can track an all-wheel time. drive car. Yeah. Like Larry Casilla has an all-wheel drive 964. You really notice it in that. That's like an old-school system, and you really notice it. Um, the newer the car, the less you notice it. Yeah. Um, Nick Bogner, uh, curious what your thoughts are on Toyota's hydrogen combustion engine. They're testing in one of their race cars. Infrastructure issues aside, do you think this is way more? This is a way that more traditional enthusiast cars can continue to be made in the future. You can't put infrastructure issues aside. You can't say, because no one, because even if you were talking about EVs, you could charge at your home, worst case, 
worst case, you charge your home and only your home, and you're limited to that much. But but no one's putting a hydrogen station in their home. No. So you can't put infrastructure issues aside. Without infrastructure, there's no hydrogen. Well, I think the combustion hydrogen, hydrogen engine also has a big flaw in that the tanks have to be really big because it to be very strong. And so the race car that he's talking about, if it's the same one I've seen, the tank, the hydrogen tank takes up like most of the back seat and the hatch. So they're that not going to make that yeah. because we, I don't even need to explain why. Like, so it just burns hydrogen instead of being a hydrogen fuel cell? Correct. Oh, that sounds so, no. You know, have we not to, learned from the Hindenburg? Nobody wants to drive around with giant compressed hydrogen tanks. Well, I mean, but if you're driving one of the uh, hydrogen EVs, you're doing, you're also driving around with a hydrogen tank, but you're driving around with a, a much smaller tank right. that converts to a battery. Da, 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 and the range is the range. I think what they they're learning now is that you have to carry these really large tanks to have enough hydrogen to go a certain distance and to combust it. Yeah. And it seems like an inefficient use of space. So, yeah. Sure, in a vacuum, if that wasn't a problem and the infrastructure wasn't a problem, well, now you have a combustion engine that only emits water. But it's but it just seems like there's too many things in the way. Yeah, I think it, I think we're more likely to develop a carbon neutral fuel that's more like gasoline than we are to actually just burn hydrogen. Mm. Yeah, Andrew Super Drew Brigham. Uh, oh. This is my first show since heart attack and pneumonia. Whoa. Damn. Welcome back. Uh, Prashan, I haven't driven as much stuff as you guys, but I've been driving a family friend's S197 Mustang GT for a month now. Am I crazy for thinking that the Coyote motor is a masterpiece? I've driven other V8 cars before, but nothing felt as racy as this 5 liter. Um I mean, when that engine came out, it was a huge deal. Yeah, it's great. It was a much, much better engine to use and rev than than what Chevy was doing or what any of the other ones. I mean, if you go out and you drive a, a BMW's S65 V8, I think that's going to feel more technical and, and advanced. Or, you know, you go drive the AMG GTR Black Series, that's going to be it. But as far as, like, pedestrian consumer-grade, mass-produced engines. The Coyote engine's great. It's a great engine. Yeah. Overhead cams. It's It's got uh, a very uh, European uh, feel to it uh, and compared to- you can put a to, power into them, stock yeah. form, put a blower on it if you want to, and yeah. they're, they're good. And yeah. you can drive the shit out of it uh, as Musto proved. They can take them to the track and just ma- basic maintenance, don't modify the engine, yeah. and they go and go and go and go. Yeah. yeah. No, you're not crazy. They're, they're, they're you know, they're, they have a lot of- Advanced technology, dual overhead cams, variable valve timing. They make good power. Uh, they're just big. They're physically big, and that's why the the Mustang has sort of this big bulbous kind of hood. Yeah. They're just big. Uh, Rob said, I need a new four-door automatic all-wheel drive car. I'm not crazy about my B9 S4. Anything worth trying that's not an SUV? Uh, I, would, I would try an RS3 if you haven't done that. I would try um, the Hyundai, uh, uh, the Genesis G70. Genesis G70 is very nice. With the big motor, with the twin turbo six, I like that engine. I like that a lot. I think it depends on what it is about your S4 that you don't like. Is it, I mean, is it the way it looks? Is it too soft? Is it space? Is it the the engine? I mean, all of those things. Because I think like the Hyundai is going to be, feel similar to the B9S4, whereas Mm -hmm. the RS3 is going to feel much more engaged in like his he has a 718 gt4 manual so 
the RSA will give you more of a taste of that performance car than the other two will. Uh, but if I mean, if you're trying to chase that dragon of something that's going to feel as sharp as your 718, you're just not going to find it. Yeah, I mean, there's also like like pretty much all four-door cars now are all-wheel drive and automatic. Like if those are your only criteria, it's kind of like pick a sedan. You know what I mean? I'm not going to I'm not going to other than a Genesis, which you might not think of mm-hmm. because it's a new brand. I'm not going to I'm not going to find some new sedan you've never heard of in brand new cars, right? There's only so many brands. Um I mean, I think the if you just want highway miles, you know, the Lexus ES350 is shockingly nice. Oh yeah. Shockingly nice. Yeah, it's based on a Camry, but it's shockingly nice and comfortable for what you're paying. If you want sporty, the Genesis G70 is v- shockingly sporty and more engaging to drive than the BMW 3 Series right now. Um, uh, the Lexus IS, uh, fi- oh, it's rear-wheel drive only. The IS is kind of on its last legs, so I would skip that unless you're getting the 500, which is cool. And, I mean... You don't want an SUV? Like, can we talk about a Macan? You know, Macans have a PDK gearbox. You know, they have they make good power. They have good space. They are crossovers, but they're, you know, longitudinal uh, powertrain. So they can, you know, they can behave a little more like a pure rear-wheel drive um, uh, in terms of dynamics. But, uh, yeah, that's what I would do. Um, Matt? Cheseldine, uh, am I going to have Carbon do the same setup to my M3 as he did his X? No. No. My car has the Dynan S1 kit on it, which is uh, intake, exhaust, uh, a front Dynan sway bar, and an and a ECU tune, carb legal, and I'm stopping there. There's absolutely no reason uh, to do I want to try to find that tune. Yeah. <laughs> That's my, my, my next quest. Yeah. I mean, the tune, I mean, it's... Uh, I don't, the box really. But. I don't know how they uh, how they install it. I don't know what the process is, but I, I don't think that's something that can't be found anymore. Oh, I'm sure it can't can be I found. Gotta, I gotta ask the Steve. Yeah, they'll have it. Uh, I'm gonna fix did this. You, what's wrong with the title? I don't no, know. I don't know. Thank Gunner. Thank you for the heads up. We'll look that up. Uh, Adam Sullivan. What is the story with the smart car at WCCS? Yep, the owner abandoned it. It's the only deadbeat I got. The guy paid the first month. And then dipped and would not return. Is from the Middle East and has not returned calls, emails since. I've filed paperwork to have a lien sale. Really? Yeah. I thought he came back and then it was fine. He made. He showed up later, profusely apologized, made one payment that was not in full, and then disappeared again. Yeah. So only it's the only deadbeat I've got in the entire place, and I changed a whole bunch of rules about how we do business because of them. When we first opened, I was so concerned with getting cars in the building that I would accept the car before the paperwork was complete. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, I won't ex- I won't even accept the car until you've been billed. And for our international clients, if you don't live in America and I'm storing a car for you, you have to pay for a year up front. I won't I won't take month to month because this was supposed to be month to month, right. and this guy just vanished, yeah, and canceled the credit card. Oh so, man, yeah. So like, I won't, I won't even. So we made a whole bunch of rules because of that stupid car, and um, I've been sending letters to 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 have a lien sale in California. You have to 
do this process that sucks. It's way different for a storage lean than a mechanics lean, and you have to get the DMV to approve it. And so I sent three letters to the DMV every couple months, but I didn't send them certified. I just put them in the mail and sent them. And they oh and they God. were just all gone. Whoa. So yesterday, literally yesterday, I finally got around. I was like, I can't look at this fucking thing anymore. And I went to the DMV and sent this letter certified. So that begins the process. I then have to hold a public auction. It's all, it's the stoop. You have to advertise in the paper that the there's going to be a lean sale and have a public auction. And then you don't even get to keep most of the money. Wow. Most of the money has to go to the state. Wow. You can only keep 30 days of back storage. No way. Yeah. So it's not like I get to sell it and keep the money. I I'm don't. I'm sure the car will go for huge money anyway. You know, it's tens a, it's of dollars. Such a shit box. Yeah. It's so terrible. It's like a really bad SEMA car. Um, but that's the story in the smart car. That's and sucks. normally I wouldn't um, wouldn't talk about my customers this way, but normally my customers don't fucking stiff me for a year and abandon their cars here. Right. So, yeah. Josh J., uh, I've been looking at Lotus Avoras lately, but there are so many versions. That's not true. There's four versions. Base, S, 400, and GT. Those are the versions. The answer to that is you buy the newest one you can afford. They've slowly and incrementally got better. The a base one is not supercharged. I wouldn't recommend that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would get, at least get an S. And there are a lot of chassis improvements with the S as well. The 400 and GT are incrementally improved beyond that. Um, but just like just like same rule as Corvettes, buy the nicest, newest one you can afford. Yep. Two oh, more. boy. Okay, wait. This is a long question. Guy is trying to find his dad's Trying to find my father's 1971 914. Here's the VIN number. Too old for Carfax. PCA won't help me. It's not on any of the forums I've been to. Dealer was able to title run a title check and tell me it was registered in Jersey, September 2009. I've been calling every dealer in the state. Half say no, half say they can't tell me. Someone told him to put it in VinWiki. Uh, he did that, and it did not show up. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could maybe hit up a, 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 like someone like a Serio, you know, like a, an independent car dealer. Like Steve Serio might be able to do it. Or um, Peter. Pete Brotman uh, at uh, he's Liberty Vintage on Instagram. Serio uh, is the real Bond Group on Instagram. They might be able to help find it. Um, yeah, I mean, if if it was last registered ten years ago, you know, uh, it might have been crashed or junked. It might be stuck away in some guy's collection somewhere. It might be rusting in a field i mean uh, i don't know i mean you, it sounds like you've tried to do the the things um you you know might want to call the guys at p car market uh in long island the guy the owner's name is david jacobson um they they specialize in i mean you've talked about if it's in jersey um the guys in long island might know maybe it hasn't gone far um the guys at p car market but um I have absolutely no idea. Beyond what you've done, I have absolutely no idea. I'm sorry. I don't know how to do that. I always I read stories from time to time where it's like, oh, this guy found the old car, but like, I don't know how you do that. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. 
Is this the end? Last one? Last one. Uh, P. Curran Weber hasn't got an update on our home project yet. Um, my house uh, is is moving on. Not moving on. The construction is moving on. Uh, the house has moved on. The house has moved it's on. It's not interested in you anymore. They finished basically all the rough work. Uh, they finished all the framing. They finished all the wiring. They finished all the plumbing. They we have all of our appliances. They finished installing our skylights, our windows and doors. They did a, a termite fumigation, which you have to do in LA when you bring in new wood. You have to term because termites can come in with the new wood. So they had to do that. We've done. Uh, we've finalized the plans for our kitchen and our closet. And they are starting to do uh, at we have an inspection either this week or next week. I don't remember. And then they do cabinetry and then they do drywall and then they do flooring and then finishes. So we expect to move in sometime in March. It's been a very long and annoying process. But once the work itself started we waited 10 months for a permit and so once the work itself started it um it is actually gone uh, pretty pretty um smoothly you know not fast but but smoothly and i have a great contractor i really like and so we'll be we'll be selling my house in venice at the beginning of the summer if anybody wants a beach house i make good price for you my friend um anything else zach anything uh what I was just looking at people's oh, comments, okay. asking questions and stuff. So, all right. Well, the uh, the uh, that's our show for today. Uh, we'll on the next cruise show we will talk about uh, the la- two different Lamborghinis, the Huracan STO, which is the Super Trofeo Omologato, which we drove on the track, but we're driving on the street this time, as well as the Ascenza. SCV12, the two and a half million dollar uh, race car I just drove out in Vegas. It is uh, excessive. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it is very excessive. Um, rally updates. Um, you should definitely do the DWA Coastal Range Rally. I'm also uh, p- helping plan and I'm leading the um, Road and Track uh, Route to Vine Rally, which is up in the San Francisco area. It's going to include a little bit of track time at Sonoma and some auto crossing. It's going to include some wine tasting. It's going to include some nice dinners. Um, it's going to be really great. It's uh, the third week in March. I want to say it's the 20th to 23rd, uh, but it's, it's something like that, something in the third week in March. You can just go to roadandtrack.com and look that up. I will be um, participating as well as giving hot laps in the uh, in the uh, whatever supercar I, I bring. And... Um, Definitely, if you if you get a chance, yeah, the Route to Vine Rally. What is the date? Do we have the date? We have the to go to 2022. 2022, yeah, whatever. 2022. Mar- it's the third week in March, 2022. March 23 uh, to 25. That's what it is, 23 to 25. So that's I'm going to be doing that one as well. And um, definitely... Please go check out uh, All Cars Go to Heaven 3, um, assuming you're not catching this show live. At least episodes 1 and 2 are up. Most likely episodes 3 and 4 are up. Um, By December 20th, 2021, all four episodes uh, will be up. It's 
it's basically the best thing that I think we've ever made. I agree. I mean, it, it really is. Not only from a, uh, a quality perspective, but also from a humor, action, you know, build cars and then compete in actual motorsport style and silly challenges with them. Um, it's really fun. It's a very fun series, and, and we're happy to have been able to make it. So the more you guys watch it, the more we can do it again and make more of them. So that's our show. Thank you, everybody. We've got uh, Jesse Awuji tomorrow. Yeah, Th- tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow, Thursday? No, it's Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, Jesse Awuji, um, NASCAR, racing, driver. NASCAR driver tomorrow, and then uh, probably another crew show over the weekend or something. That's it. We'll see you later. Bye.